0: We have a value for kids here, and I've told this story before to some of you, but I thought it was worth repeating because it has helped shape why we do some of the things that we do. Uh, Vineyard USA, as you know, is is an association of churches all across the country. We have a national director that leads our movement. His name is Jay Pathak. If you were here uh, back on Pentecost Sunday, you got to meet him via video but Jay was privileged uh, at some point in the last couple of years to actually have an audience with the Pope amongst a number of other leaders who were there, and there was an opportunity to ask questions, and some of the discussion had been about kids. And so our Vineyard National Director, Jay, gets his turn to ask a question, and he asks the Pope, what is the most important thing when it comes to our kids? And the Pope says to Jay, teach them to worship so that they have their own encounters with the Holy Spirit. And I thought, that's probably a pretty good answer. He, he went on in the podcast where Jay is telling the story to lay out the statistics of how significant it is for young kids who have an encounter with the Holy Spirit in, in a way that they understand that he's as real, like he's real like gravity. That no matter where life takes them, and whether they uh, go away from God for a while or whatever, but they all, the, the the statistics, the number of later in life that those kids are still in a relationship with Jesus is astronomically high. And it's like we want to think about about programs and and all different sorts of things, and those things are good, and, and how we parent our kids makes a difference. But there's something about learning that Jesus is real in a way that impacts you as a person that transcends a lot of other things. So we're going to talk about that some today, but I wanted the kids to stay before we get into that. Our plan is ruined, Daniel. My iPad is not connecting, so I may just have to call out. If you would go ahead and put up that first picture. All right, kids. Who knows what animal this is? Wolf. That's right. Do you think a wolf is nice or mean? mean. Okay. It depends. Go ahead and put up the next one there, Daniel. Actually, this is a, a sheep. Or a, a lamb, right? Which yeah, uh, I was about to say a, lamb. a lamb. So a lamb is a is a what? Like a, a baby, a baby, sheep. a baby sheep. All right. Go ahead and go on to the next one. Do you think that these two usually get along? No. They, do they make sense together? No. No, probably not. All right. Let's go to the next one. What's this? Cheetah. I think this is actually a leopard, unless I pulled up the wrong picture. All right. Next. Now, you, there you go. Yeah, I was going to say, you said that one earlier. All right. Do you think these guys usually get along? No. Do they seem like the kind of animals that... They, do you think they would play games together at the park? No. Probably not. All right. But they're both kind of mean because, like, a goat... Yeah, they, they can be. They can be. That's not where we're going, but... All right. Yes, a baby horse. Do you know what a, do you know what another name for a baby horse is? Yeah. A, a well, a pony is a little bit older, but when they're real little it's called a yearling. And a a baby cow is a calf. All right, so those two, they probably can get along okay, right? Well, let's go to the next one. Do you think they get along with that guy? No. No? You don't. All right, go ahead and put the next one. So so, there's, so you don't think those go together? No. no. All right. Okay, now you're like, what in the world? Okay, Let, so now we're going to go to our next thing. We're going to read a scripture together and see if this makes sense. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 says, In that day the wolf and the lamb will live together. Is that those first two animals we saw? What the Bible says, in that day, now we'll tell you about that day in a minute, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will, will lie down like they'll, they'll snuggle up and take a nap together with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling, you remember, what was the yearling? Do you remember which one? The baby horse, right. The calf and the yearling will be safe when they're with the lion. How do you think that's possible? Well, what's this last line say? And a little child will lead them all. What do you think about that? Uh, the littler child would be Ellie. So be Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> Out of this particular group on the front row, you you are correct, sir. Well, what we're going to be talking about, thank you for answering all of our questions. Now, you guys can stay for just another minute. Well, what we're talking about is there's this idea that the grown-ups have been exploring in our class that the kingdom of God, things are different in the kingdom of God than we might think they are in the world. And so we read all of that and we're like, those things don't go together. But, you know, someday we'll fully enter the kingdom of God, which we call heaven. And in heaven, everything is like God wants it to be. And so then little kids are safe to lead around the lion, and those different animals can go together. Did you know sometimes God is referred to as the lion? There's the title that said he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Like, does that mean God's mean and dangerous? No. No, it actually means that he is, but not against you. He is to protect you. He actually will roar at the enemy to scare the enemy away. And so in God's kingdom... Things that don't look like they go together and things that might look like they're dangerous can actually be safe, and little children will lead them all. So we're going to talk today about how kids are important in the kingdom. This is the one thing I want you guys to hear before you head back to your class. In God's kingdom, little kids are really, really important. Because as that Bible verse that we read just ago says, a little child will lead them all. So you don't have to wait till you become a grown-up to be important in the kingdom of God. God sees you as important now. And we're going to look at some other things. All right? Does that sound good? All right. You guys can go on and go do your next activity. Thanks for indulging us with our little uh, see-and-say game here. Goodbye, kingdom kids. (laughs) Oh, I I keep defaulting. I know, for 12 years it was, I mean, I guess it's interchangeable, but our previous two churches it was Kingdom Kids, and it's Vineyard Kids here. Hopefully Vineyard still means Kingdom, so either way can work. (sighs) All right. Uh, If you want to go ahead and flip your Bible open, um, I'll show you where we're going here in a minute, to Matthew 18. Um, This will be up on the screen too, the main verses here. Well, as I started sharing with the little ones there, um, we've been in this series called On Earth As It Is In Heaven, and we've been sort of exploring different ideas about the kingdom of God and its reality here on earth. And so we know if we look ahead, you know, to the future reality of heaven, you know, things are, are pretty perfect there. They're as God intended them. And what we're saying is that we want to begin to pull that reality into today, into the now. We want to experience some of what the kingdom of God would offer to us now. We don't just have to wait until we pass away and meet Jesus and go to heaven. We can actually experience the kingdom now. Now, my first sort of thing that I want to just... uh, plant as a seed before we go to the scripture, is I'm going to talk to you today about the kingdom and kids in the kingdom, and I felt compelled to start simply by saying a thing that we say uh, around there all the time. There's actually no junior Holy Spirit. So like this to me is the baseline place to start, that all of the stuff that we've been talking about in this series and even long before doesn't like apply differently to kids so there's not like a junior version of god that you know you're allowed to do these couple of things but the rest is just for the adults now we're going to explore today as we've already begun to understand that saying kids are really important in the kingdom is not just like to make them feel good it's actually what god says it's what his word says it's what he says like i i think if i you know could paraphrase or or sort of put words in God's mouth, like he would say to us, kids are a big deal to me. Like they really, they matter. And so how we think about them, how we relate to them, how we treat them in a community, it's important. But I want to start by emphasizing this fact that although we want to have good programming and we want to do things that are tooled to their uh, their age demographic and and where they're at socially, it, it's never from a motivation of well, we've gotta we've gotta you know get the, down on a on a junior level with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit I have seen do things through kids that uh, would just blow your mind. He absolutely loves to use kids and to work through kids. And so there's no like junior version of the Holy Spirit. All right. Uh, go ahead and turn, if you will, to Matthew 18. This uh, little passage here that we're going to start to look at uh, is sort of uh, headed as the greatest in the kingdom. So that there was this question that comes up here in the first couple of verses. Um, and it says, about that time, so just showing where we're at in the timeline, the things that have happened before, this is uh, after Jesus' transfiguration and a few other things that uh, precedes it, and Jesus has predicted his death. And uh, we go on down to 18, the greatest in the kingdom. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, "Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" Fair question, I guess. Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. So you know, I just picture you, know, Jesus, like you know, come up here and, and sit by me. Uh, then he said. And these are, you know, the red words. So this is Jesus actually quoted here. I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on to, to talk more about treatment of children and, and other things. But I just want to stop there for this morning. Now, this is probably not the way we would approach it. You know, we, we understand that, you know, like our whole Christian walk and our experience as a community is not about, you know, well, who gets to be the best? You know, who gets to be number one? Who gets to be the greatest? But I think part of what's underneath that question is, Jesus, What what's important in your kingdom? What? What? what matters and it's not it's not mutually exclusive and so we're dialing in and focusing on what Jesus says about children but we have to look at the whole context of scripture so we don't say that that children matter and therefore uh you know widows and orphans and single parents and moms and dads and teenage like it, it doesn't mean that that the rest of us don't matter but God is highlighting that there's something unique about the way that kids approach the kingdom that we could probably all learn from, right? Uh, I found this quote from a pastor named Becky Fisher, and I, I think there's a lot of truth in it. It simply says, Our children were created with a deep hunger to encounter the supernatural living God they're actually created the same as all of us. Because, you know, I don't think there's anybody here that wasn't a kid at some point, right? Like, if you if you are here and you were never a kid, I want to understand how that worked. Because I don't know how you got here. And so that means, even though we're looking at it from the perspective of a child, this is true for all of us. You were created... It's like baked into your being to desire and to encounter the supernatural living God. I used that phrase earlier to to encounter Him in a way that you understand that He's real, not not real like just something. Oh, I, I know about it, but re, real like gravity. You know, like that. That we we don't we can demonstrate its reality. I I didn't bring up. Something heavy, but you know, it's like if I drop this, it goes to the ground because of the principle of gravity. Like, and that, that, that doesn't, that's not different now than it was, you know, a thousand years ago. It's the same. Jesus is real like gravity. And you know what? I don't personally study the science of that. I don't like have, you know, Deep intimate knowledge of of the physics and and why that is and what's going on, but I don't have to to know that it's real because I, I I've, it's experienced and it's it's an accepted truth. I mean it, it just it's just always been that way. It's been demonstrated, time and time again. Well, this encounter, this relationship that we're talking about with the real living supernatural God is real in that same way. And there have been believers all around the world for thousands of years that have experienced it, that have demonstrated it, that have testified to its reality. And and its help for us, it's helping kids have that experience for themselves that they understand that it's real the same way that gravity is real. Okay? Why is this so important? Going back to what the Pope had said to Jay, and this is me sort of rephrasing this, but, you know, I I could come to you today and and talk to you. uh, I always try to frame my messages, you know, for for the audience um and so if i were to come up and you know here's here's five steps to you know to be a better parent well that would be applicable to some of us it might be helpful i'm not even saying that that's a bad idea to do sometime but i'm trying to to zoom out and say you know well what what's important for all of us and what's important for all of us uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about about our responsibility as as a church community when it relates to kids But of all the principles and books and tactics and things that I could teach you about, you know, how to have better relationships with kids or how to parent, when it comes to the kingdom, this is my next, I want to read this to make sure I get it right. And then an authentic encounter with the real Jesus does more than a thousand conversations in your child's development. Now, does that mean don't have conversations? No. Like, all of the, like, parenting things still apply. But when it comes to their long-term development, their health as a whole person, spiritual, mental, emotional, in other words, take the example. We all could easily look up the statistics of the number of, of, like, young adults that tend to leave the church. Or, you know, go away to college and, and discover all sorts of other things. Well, it's kind of hard if you, as a young child, have been in environments where you've had experiences and seen things that are undeniably outside of the possibility of just the realm of earth. I don't know how else to say it. Like when you've seen or experienced yourself a dynamic, authentic encounter with the Holy Spirit, with the real Jesus, that's not something that you can easily, like, shake off. It stays with you. And so you find yourself later, and it's like, you know, you get into a a philosophy class or something where, you know, different worldviews are are being expressed, and you want to be able to hear those things. But you will not so easily be pulled in this direction or that if you're grounded by a relationship that is not a relationship. You said, yeah, my, my parents raised me as Christians. I hope I hope they do. but that's not that's not real to you like it is when you've had your own experience. That's why it's so important that we value kids. Kids are not just, you know, something we tag on and, you know, we're just waiting until they grow up and then they can come do the kingdom things. It's actually really, really important that that they be invited in, uh, that we make space for them. And you guys know, I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir. This this is a, a community that has that value for kids, that is open to integrating them into the church body Um but we can't underestimate what that does for a child. We, we can impact their trajectory, their future, by doing these things. And Jesus would tell us to. Okay, the next point, uh, I started to touch on this, but it's like kids need stories that they can't easily let go of. I was listening to, I listened to a lot of podcasts, so sorry if... You get tired of hearing references to podcasts. Um, but I would recommend this one. There is a podcast uh, that was started, I think, last year called We Are Vineyard, and it's just our national director interviewing different – and the whole thing is based on story. No matter who he interviews, it always starts out with, where were you born? How were you – raised? like, where did you – what's your origin? What's your story? And, and it's so interesting because Jay shares – Uh, He said, you know, I've known a lot of these people that I interview a long time. He said, no matter how long I've known them, when I start the question this way, I always learn something new and interesting. Well, anyway, uh, I I went back and was catching up some episodes that I had missed from last year. And uh, there's one particular episode where Jay is interviewing Mike and Julie Yoder, who are close friends of ours. They are now the senior pastors of the Vineyard in Urbana, Illinois. They are also our founding pastor, Ben's niece. Uh, Julie is his niece, uh, daughter of his sister, Diane. Lots of family connection. And it was interesting because Julie was sort of sharing her story, and her story is really unique in that Julie has, has literally her entire life only ever been a part of that one church. Julie was one of of five kids, um, and and I'm not going to step back and tell the the story of of, uh, how they came to have kids after struggling with not. That's a huge part of their story, and if you want, I can point you to things to read about that later. But Julie was sharing, uh, and and Ben and Tina, our founding pastors, helped found that church as well. They they were there at the very beginning. Ben was the first employee of the Vineyard church in Urbana when it was young. Um, it wasn't actually started as a vineyard church. And, you know, you've heard some of this before. But anyway, uh, they the church there had been planted and going for a few years when they met the vineyard. And Hap and I, and I'm sure Ben and some others, went to a conference to sort of check out who are these, you know, vineyard people and do we want to be part of them. Hap had read a, a, a magazine article that sort of got him interested. Well, Julie was actually the only kid that went with them. Like she was literally like on dice hip at this when they met the vineyards. Like she's literally been there the whole time. Never went to another church. I mean not that she's never visited, but you know, never been part of another church um, and is now the lead pastor. And she was talking about how just the fact of of being in those environments in her young years you know, of hanging out and and seeing things happen, and even uh, and they're a great example as a family of you know even just hosting people in their home and the conversations that would happen. Julie went on to share how. Well, actually, Mike kind of shared on her behalf that that somehow because of that, as uh, you've heard the the term PK, it means Preacher's Kid, like. They're, they're their own breed, right? Like kids who grow up with, with parents who are pastors have unique challenges, can have unique struggles, but they just live in a different world because it's like to them, church is not just the place you go on Sunday. It's the place that mom or dad goes like every day of the week. And you, like our kids, you come help clean the toilets and, you know, you help paint the wall. Like you're just, it's just a different environment. But part of what they were sharing in their story is, more impactful even than maybe the services and gatherings and conferences, was when they would host people in their home. And and it's like you know, kids, we don't often realize like they have like elephant ears. Like, you don't think they're listening or tuned in at all, and they hear things. And and Julie was sharing how much those conversations that she overheard had impacted her because it helped her realize you know when it's just you and your family sitting on the couch with a guest you, you can be yourself you you can be now hopefully you can be here too we we aspire to be authentic all the time but for a little kid she began to connect you know my parents and these people that are like they're the same people sitting on this couch as they are when they're standing up on the stage on Sunday morning Like, that has an impact on a child. And and the way Mike was sharing was that for Julie, it helped develop uh, a real sort of antenna or radar for authenticity. In other words, like, she, she can see, and she's been around hundreds of leaders, she can spot pretty quickly... Okay, that person is is the real deal like they're they're not just saying with their mouth and going off they're actually living what they're saying. I think kids are the same way. They may not understand everything. We may sometimes use language that goes over their head, but I think kids are really good at spotting authenticity are are you who you say you are? Do you mean what you're saying to me? And I've told you this before, but you know, one of the most memorable things like for us as parents is our kids are not going to remember most of the words that we say to them, but they are going to remember how we made them feel. Because that is part of showing authenticity, is what is the motivation, what is the emotion behind what you're saying, and that is going to impact kids. And so I think this is one of the things that we can learn from kids is that we need to be more authentic. We need to be more true to who we say we are. Now, you think, oh, you know, no, I'm not just talking about modifying your behavior to who you say you are, but just being honest, you know. In other words, uh, some days you might not feel all put together. And you know what? It's okay to say that. It's okay to, to come here. Say so, you know, I I, just, I don't feel like I'm all put together today, um because the truth is, I mean, I, Brittany and I have experienced this multiple times. It's pretty hard to pull the wool over the eyes of the kids. It's like you walk in the door, and, and it's like they pick up on it pretty quick. I think us as kingdom people, we I think we need to be more like that. I think we need to just be a little more okay with some of us not being okay sometimes. Now. God cares. He doesn't want to leave you there. But my point is we don't have to pretend that we're okay when we're not. In the kingdom, we, we, can, we can be wherever we're at. We can be authentic, just like kids. All right. I have one more thing that I want to talk to you about uh, before we begin to wrap this up. Because like I said, a lot of this has has probably sort of been directed, you know, maybe there's some nuggets for those of you that are currently parenting kids or interacting with grandkids. But I want to talk to us as a community, as a body of believers here that's part of the Vineyard Church Peoria. Valuing and developing kids in the kingdom is actually a responsibility that we all share. Like that's actually like if if I if we were you know being formal like I'm I'm like saying we are all charged with a responsibility at some level you know it's not equal like Brittany and I still have primary responsibility for our particular kids but for us as a church body like we all have some level of responsibility of how do we interact with those young people. How do we, what kind of environments do we invite them into? How do we, do, do we treat them like they're second-class citizens? Or do we see them? Do we notice them? Do we get down on their level and and, and and talk to them? Now, I'm not saying you have to come up with some big, you know, theological thing and and talk to them about. It. I'm just saying, as a community, we have a responsibility To not only see them, but to understand that they're valuable. Let, Let me put it this way. We need them to teach us as much as we need to teach them. We have a responsibility to pass things on to them. But kids intrinsically understand things about the kingdom that sometimes it's like we're having trouble getting it through our thick skull, and they just get it. So that, that's why we like we want to mix them in. We want to we want to have them in the room, at times, like because they they get things that sometimes we as adults have a hard time understanding. Yeah. One of the things that that we talked about and I, I touched on this earlier, you know, is if one of the most important things is to. Teach kids to worship, then they should probably be in the room when we're trying to worship. I mean, us as adults, I like we're still learning. Like we don't have it all figured out. We're not like if, if worship was a skill, we're not like you know perfect 100. But that's one of the greatest examples of by by bringing kids in the room. They're going to get to experience something, feel included, but also they're going to help teach us. How, how do I how do I worship? How do I recognize God without letting all of my questions and doubts and my circumstances, like, get in the way? How do I kind of, when I feel tangled up, how do I enter in and let God untangle me? How, how You know, because honestly, like, when these kids were sitting down here this morning, it's like, they're not sitting there going, you know, well... I didn't pick up my room yesterday when mom asked me, you know, so it's probably going to be hard for me to focus. Like, They're not doing that kind of stuff. They're present in the moment. They're seeing the words. They're hearing the music. They're actually probably more sensitive to the Spirit of God moving in the room than some of us are at times. It's just a really big deal. I could go on and on and on, but... I want to begin to, to wrap this up. And as they say, I, I want to leave you wanting more. I don't, I don't want to flesh everything out. But simply to begin to wrap up, as I started to say a minute ago, we, 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 we need them. We, we, we need one of the pieces of our vision that we've been talking about as a leadership team is that we want to be a multi-generational community. Now, there's a lot of other words that are in that statement, but we need each other. We, and and we, don't need to, we don't need to always segment everything out. You know, now, I'm not knocking, you know, having kids ministry and young adults and adults and what we used to call vintage, which was like senior adults. Uh, you know, I'm not knocking. Sometimes you, you want to have a, a connection with people in your demographic. That's not a bad thing. But we also see a lot of value in taking all of those different sort of pockets of people and and mixing them all up together, right? Because just in the same way that the little kids can teach us some things about simplicity, about authenticity, about worship, about faith, prayer, like there's a lot we can learn from them. In the same way, those of us further up the spectrum have things to teach them. We have lived life and made mistakes that, you know, by sharing with those young people, maybe they can learn it in a little easier way. Maybe they don't have to go through what I went through, but that requires us to be in relationship. It requires us to share those things. And so, so I think, it, just to, to paint a picture for you, if we can imagine the diversity of heaven, there's not an age demographic, or a color, or a national origin that is not represented. I, I, it represents all of humanity because that's who Jesus died for. Like, uh, one of our our former mentors used to talk to us about about church planting. Said, you know, where where's where do we need a, another vineyard church? Where's the, you know what's the like the most lost city or the best strategic place. And he said, Plant churches where the humans are. Like, that, that's the ones we need to reach, is the humans. It's the same way. Like, God, God sees all of us as his kids, as his humans, his creation. And, and I just want to encourage us, as the adults in the room, to not ever consider ourselves as superior to those who have just not aged as much as us yet. Yes, we have things to pass on, to learn. We have a responsibility. But let us not see ourselves as, as superior or as more important than, because we need them as much as they need us. And I hope and, and aspire with you for our community to more and more reflect that. That, that we see the generations mixing in a way that is healthy for everyone. That, that we see older people and younger people in, in mentoring relationships.